Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Go over with me this morning, if you would, to 1 John, and let's go to chapter 2, 1 John the second chapter. Last Sunday, I was talking about the importance of Christians and the church understanding our relationship with the nation of Israel. Not, and not just the church's relationship, but our nation's relationship with Israel. Now, you're here in 1 John, but, but I, th I think it would be good to maybe go back. Just hold your place there and go back to Romans, the 11th chapter, I think it is, where we were reading last week, Romans chapter 11. Yeah, in Romans chapter 11, just to kind of, we won't spend a lot of time, but just kind of look at these scriptures and, and sort of bring us to where we want to, uh, what we want to talk about today. In Romans chapter 11, verse 1, Paul said, I say then, has God cast away his people? He's talking about the Jewish people. Has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. If you go on down to the 11th verse, he says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, or as the, like the, the margin says, through their trespass, to provoke them to jealousy, them being the Jews, through their transgression, to provoke them, the Jews, to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. You know, this part of the reason God brought the gospel to the Gentiles is to provoke the Jews to jealousy. Well, we're never going to provoke the Jews to jealousy by living a defeated life. I've never seen a Jew yet that was impressed with poverty. And lack, have you? No, they're not impressed with those things. They, they, they come out of the old covenant. They believe in God's blessing. Now, they're in disobedience right now. Yes, they rejected Christ and still reject him. But... It says here, God has not cast them off. It's gonna take the church being the real church, being the victorious church, walking in all the blessing of Abraham as the spiritual seed of Abraham to provoke the natural seed of Abraham to jealousy. Amen. Let's go on in verse number 12. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, now, if their fall is riches for the world, let's talk about the church. The riches for the world, the, the people who in the church of, who are called out of the world, and their failure, riches for the Gentiles. Again, that's talking about Gentile Christians. God wants us to have things. Amen, that's not my message this morning. If their trespass is riches for us, how much more their fullness? Amen. Amen. Let's drop on down to verse 25. 
For I, not, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinions, in your own estimation, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. We are living, without going into a lot of detail, we are living in what Jesus referred to as the times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles began when after their final apostasy and, and, uh, and departure from the things of God, children of Israel were led into captivity in Babylon. When, when uh, the uh, Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came in and, and captured Israel, took Jerusalem and transported you know, 60,000 plus inhabitants of Jerusalem into Babylon and destroyed Jerusalem. From that day until Jesus returns at the second advent, at the end of the tribulation to establish his kingdom, from that day until that day coming, that's called the times of the Gentiles. And there's a lot of purposes for the time. We, we, as a church, we need to know these things. We don't just need to know about faith and healing and prosperity and blessing. We, we need to know those things. But we need, to know, we need to know these things too. We need to know the times in which we're living. We're living in, in what is called, Jesus referred to them in Luke 21, the times of the Gentiles. We're living in that. There are multiple reasons for the, for the plan of God. God has a plan for the Gentiles, for the nations of the world. And uh, one, of course, is the salvation of Gentiles, taking a church out of both Jew and Gentile, bringing out of those two groups of humanity, bringing them into one called the new creation, the church. Uh, another reason, another purpose for the times of the Gentiles is uh, the gathering in of the Gentiles, but also to bring... Uh, the Gentile nations to a place of judgment. And they'll be judged in the Middle East when the Lord Jesus returns. We talked about this last week. Remember the judgment of the, of the goats and the sheep? The goats on Jesus' right hand, or the on, sheep on the right hand, goats on the left hand? It all had to do with how people, individuals, uh, either supported or didn't support Israel during the tribulation period. So all of that is, is uh, part of, of uh, the times of the Gentiles. Where, what verse were we in here last? My page turned. Yeah, 20, uh, 25. And so, in, notice verse 26. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Notice this is future. In the future time, he says the deliverer will come out of Zion and Israel will be saved. Now verse 28 says, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. You know, the Jews persecuted the church and, and Gentiles persecuted the church. But he's talking about Israel here and the Jewish people. He said, concerning the gospel, they are enemies regarding, you know, in, 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 your, in your case. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. And it says in verse 29 that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. 
God never gives up. God never, listen, if God won't give up on the Jews for, uh, for 2,000 years and, and has an open door and is willing to, to reach them and minister to them and bring them back in, he hasn't given up on you either. Come on now. If he hasn't given up on them after all this time, he hasn't given up on you. And he's not gonna give up on you. He's not turned his back on you. He's not putting you down. Every moment and every hour, God's, God's attitude toward you is, come on, come on, come on back. Let's just go, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That's what, that's what God said. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. Verse number 30 says, for as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they also may have turned mercy. Glory to God. Oh, for God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depths of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. God is just, he's real smart. He knows what he's doing. And there is a plan in the earth, not just for the church. There's a plan for Gentiles. There is a plan for those who are yet unsaved. There is a plan for Israel. We need to know these things because it should affect how we think. It should affect our, our outlook on society because we're not just in the church, we're in the world. We don't just relate to what goes on in here, we, re, we relate to what goes on out there. We have lives in, in, in our primary uh, uh, place of, of, in life is in Christ, in church. We know that, in the body of Christ. But we also function as people in the earth, in the world. Yeah. Amen. We have, we have positions in society that we need to be responsible with. Amen. Praise the Lord. We saw in looking at Daniel, we won't go back over and look at it again, but Daniel chapter 10, remember the angel that came to Daniel and he was praying and he, he was hindered for 21 days by the prince of, of, of Persia, said that Michael the archangel came to help him, to relieve him. And then over in, in Daniel, the 12th chapter, it, it talked about uh, Michael standing up in defense of God's people. Over in the book of Revelation, we see him warring, you know, uh, in, in delivering, warring and casting down the dragon and, uh, and, and defending God's people. Michael, the arch, there's an archangel. His name is Michael and his chief assignment is to defend Israel. We see him way back there when, when the times of, of the Gentiles had just started. We see him at the very end. He's the same all the way in the middle. My point is God is, has a defensive, protecting uh, position toward Israel right now. Even though they're in disobedience, they won't always be. Because God never forgets covenant and the covenant he made with Abraham he's it's still coming to pass he will fulfill his promise 
to Abraham's descendants. So he's watching over them. Now I mentioned this. Well, let, let, me, let me remind you this too. In Genesis, the 12th chapter, the Lord told uh, Abraham, he said, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. We, you could see that if you read about Abraham's, you read his life in the book of Genesis, you'll see that over and over again. People who tried to cross him, it didn't, didn't fare well with them. Those who were good to him, they were blessed. You see that in Isaac, in Jacob. You see that in the descendants. You see that in the history of Israel, that the nations who came out and opposed Israel, God judged them. And those who were sympathetic and helpful, weren't many of them, but those who did, uh, God blessed them. And so that's, that's something as believers we need to be aware of. Amen. Now, I said this last week that historically, God has blessed the United States for many reasons. For instance, the the United States was founded upon biblical Christian principles, and God has blessed us. Not the least of which is Christians' uh, inherent support for the Jewish people. If you're a born-again Christian, there's something on the inside of you that resonates with Israel. If you're genuinely born again, I'll say it again, there's something on the inside that resonates and you know instinctively that, that you are to be a friend. Now, the nation, the, the, the current political nation of Israel, they don't always do everything right. They're still God's people. You don't always do everything right. But you want your brothers and sisters to stand with you, don't you? Amen. Not throw you under the bus. Yeah. Speak correction if necessary, but still be your ally. Amen. God expects that uh, from Christians. And because the United States was uh, birthed in Christian revival, basically, then God, that that same uh, uh, underlying support... For the, even though nation, the nation of Israel didn't exist at the time of the birth of the United States, you know, when, when uh, uh, the times of the Gentiles came in, uh, Israel as a nation was destroyed. They were, they were uh, taken to the four corners of the earth. And they didn't return until 1948, which is very significant, but we won't get into that. Uh, but even, even though the, there was not a nation uh, of Israel, Christian people had a, had a, a, a sympathy and a, and a heart for Jewish people. In 1948, on the same day Israel declared its sovereignty, President Harry Truman, on that very day, officially recognized Israel's statehood. We were one of the first nations in the world to do that. And the United States became Israel's strongest ally. The next two decades, America's prosperity was the envy of the world. It wasn't just because we had come out of a war and all of the machinery and industry, you know, that was pouring into the war then suddenly was used for, for uh, uh, you know, revitalization of our economy and culture and all of that. That's what his, the natural historians would like to tell you. It was because of the blessing of God. Amen. Amen. But in the past half century, although the United States has remained a strong ally of Israel, our leaders have increasingly given in to pressure from other nations, primarily Arabs and those sympathetic with them, to partition off more and more Israeli land, to 
hinder the Israelis more and more, to deny them more and more, uh, and, and to take the side of nations who are sworn to Israel's destruction. Now, officially, the United States has, has remained Israel's ally, but president after president after president have uh, given in to more and more demands from the Arab nations. You know, if you read anything, if you follow the United Nations, United Nations at all, you'll know the United Nations is an anti-American and anti-Israel organization. And we are one of the few voices that stand up to the continual onslaught against Israel. And because of that, we're hated by many nations in the world. But on the other hand, we, we yield often when we shouldn't. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Because of that vacillation, because of that lack of solidarity, the United States has experienced significant decline economically and morally, especially morally, during the same time period. Amen. Well, uh, let's go to 1 John. That'll get me up to where I want to start today. <laughs> Did you get anything out of that? 1 John chapter 2. <clears throat> Little children, it is the last hour. Well, if it was the last hour, then it's the last second now. <laughs> it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming... Even now, many antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Now, the, the, the title, the antichrist, or even the words antichrist, are only found in four places, and they're right here in the epistles of John. First and second John are the only places the word antichrist is found in the New Testament. So there's four of them. This is one. Go down to verse 22. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. And then go over to the fourth chapter and look at verse number three, 1 John 4, 3. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Go over then to 2 John, 2 John in the 7th verse. 2 John 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Those are the four references, or the, I should say the four times the word Antichrist is used. Now, John was dealing with, with two issues here, two concepts. In two of these passages, go to chapter uh, 1 John 4, 3. Notice the last part of that verse, 1 John 4, 3. The last part of that verse says, Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Go back to chapter two, verse number 18. 
Little children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. So John's dealing with two uh, concepts in relation to the Antichrist. One is the coming of a person and the Antichrist. He is yet to come. But then he's dealing with the spirit of Antichrist that was already there then and it's in the world today. It's basically the spirit that did. Now, in, in John's time, there was a particular doctrine uh, among the Gnostics and they taught that everything was spiritual, that Jesus had not come in the flesh, he had only come in the spirit. That he was not physically, uh, it wasn't a physical person, it was a spirit person. And John is correcting that. He said that's the spirit of Antichrist because it denies Christ. Well, the spirit of Antichrist denies everything about Christ. Denies who he is, denies that he's the son of God, denies that he had come, denies that he is coming. In a nutshell, it's secular humanism. It's the exaltation of humanity where God's supposed to be. Putting humanity in the place of God. We are our own God, humanity said, humanism says. We don't, we're, not, we're not answerable to anyone but ourselves. We are a law unto ourselves. That's what secular humanism says. There is no divine order. We create our order. That spirit of Antichrist was in the world then. It's in the world now. And it is growing stronger. People, there are people who genuinely in their heart, they believe in the person of Christ. There are a lot of unsaved people who sometimes respect the Bible more than Christians do, in a sense. Now, it's very religious very often. But they have a respect for the God of the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ. They just haven't made a decision to accept him as personal savior. They don't want to give up what they think is their pleasurable lifestyle. They don't really understand that serving God is way more pleasurable. Amen. And it doesn't have that sting of death at the end. Amen. So there are a lot of people who intend to accept Christ one day, but they haven't yet. Well, if, if they don't accept him, just believing in him uh, in the way I've described is not saving faith. They're not going to go to heaven. But there are other people who deny Christ in a different way. They, they don't believe in him. They don't want, any, they don't want to hear about him. They, they, like I said, they believe that, that they are their own God. That's the spirit of Antichrist that is gaining strength and influence in the world and in our own nation. Those people will not be called away when the church is raptured. Neither will those who just have a, a general belief in Christ but have never made him Lord and Savior. They're not gonna be called away when the church is called away and raptured. They're gonna be left here. Those people who have yielded to the spirit of Antichrist, and you know them, 
We all know people like that. Those people will fall in line just like you snap your finger. They will fall in line with the Antichrist when he comes. They are already deceived by the spirit of Antichrist. They are in, an, in a sense, he said, many Antichrists have already come. They're already following leaders who are operating under that spirit of Antichrist and they're being deceived, willingly deceived by it. And when the church is called away and the Antichrist comes to and is revealed and comes into, into power politically, they'll fall right in line. God says he will send strong delusion because they would not believe the truth. Anyway, that's what's coming. <clears throat> there are other names for the Antichrist. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter. First, number three, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, that is the day of the Lord, will not come unless the falling away, or you could say the departure, comes first. And the man of sin is revealed. Here the Antichrist is called the man of sin. And then in, in the next few words, he's called the son of perdition. So the man of sin and the son of perdition, same person, that is the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above, above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Notice the apostle Paul dealt with these things as some of his most fundamental teaching. Amen. I mean, when he, when he, was, when he was with the Thessalonians and, and first preached the gospel to them, evidently that's when he talked about these things. <clears throat> Verse number six, and now you know what is restraining that he, the man of sin, the man of perdition, the antichrist may be revealed in his own time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then the lawless one, this is another name for the antichrist, the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, let's, let, we won't go any further. Uh, I said all that to tell you that we need to be aware that there is a spirit of Antichrist in the world and we need to be very, very certain not to get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in it. Don't participate in any shape, form, or fashion. The spirit of Antichrist is driving much of the politics of our nation. Make no doubt. We do not need to be involved in it in any shape, form, or fashion. We don't need to endorse it. We don't need to side with it. We don't need to play with it. Amen. Because it is deadly and it's wicked and it will be judged. I don't want anything to do with it. Amen. You don't either. 
Like I said, in the past half century, the United States, though remaining a strong ally of Israel, has been buffeted in our allegiance. Our allegiance to Israel has been buffeted. There's been a lot of forces trying to, to pull us away. Now you're gonna, some of you might think I'm being uh, uh, partisan in what I'm about to say, but it's an actual fact. President Obama, Barack Obama, moved more aggressively against Israel than any previous United States president. He constantly condemned and demeaned Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu publicly and privately. His hostility toward the Israeli Prime Minister was historic. It's not a secret. It's well documented. Since that time, it's 10 years ago, it's when that started, there's been more social unrest, turmoil, and division in the United States than in any previous period since the Civil War. These things are not unrelated. When the head of our nation mocks Israel and enacts policies that are, that are detrimental to Israel and supports Israel's enemies, uh, that has an effect on the social and moral and financial fabric of our nation. It does. God does, God does not just wink at that. He told Abraham, those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse. Now, that's just a fact. I'm gonna give you some more facts. President Donald Trump is more pro-Israel than any president since Harry Truman. I'm gonna say that again. President Donald Trump is more pro-Israel than any president since Harry, since Harry Truman. More than Eisenhower, Kennedy, amen, Johnson, Nixon, I've, I, I lose count here. I've been, I've been around a long time. I've forgotten all the sequence. <laughs> all of those presidents. Donald Trump is more pro-Israel than any of them. He moved the U.S. Embassy to Tel Aviv, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, as, as United States presidents have been promising to do, the Congress has voted to do for decades and did not have the will to do it. He did it. He pulled the United States out of the disastrous multinational Iran nuclear deal, giving, which gave billions of dollars uh, to Iran, a nation absolutely committed to the destruction of Israel. He got us out of that. Recently recognized Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. You know, Israel seized this tract of land from Syria in the Six-Day War of 1967. It's theirs. It's not just theirs because they won it then. It's theirs because God gave it to them. Now, you might not agree with that politically, but biblically, that's the truth. God said, I will take this land from your enemies and I'll give it to you. Well, you know, God has the last word, not the United Nations. 
The Golan Heights is, is an area that is so strategically important because from the Golan Heights, this sort of plateau that overlooks Israel, nothing but trouble comes out of there. Constant assaults, constant rocket attacks, constant uh, 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 interference from that area. Israel needs the Golan Heights. It's theirs. And thank God, President Obama had the, 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 the gall, or, the, or the, not the gall, he had the guts and the strength to stand up to Obama Trump. President Trump had the, had the uh, uh, strength and courage to stand up and do what was right. Economically, God has greatly blessed and prospered America under Donald Trump. Now, I know he, he's just arrogant enough to say that he did it himself. <laughs> that is his, his policies and, and, he, he's, and you, know, you, you have to give him credit for uh, revitalizing industry and, and turning the, the economy around. I'm not saying that, that he hasn't done what needed to be done, but he's done it by the grace of God. If anybody needs the grace of God, it's Donald Trump. But his pro-Christian, pro-Israel policies have stirred up great spiritual opposition in this nation. His pro-Christian and pro-Israel policies have stirred up great spiritual opposition like stirring up a, 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 a hornet's nest. There is a war going on, the, going on in the heavenly over America's support of Israel. Those principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and then especially wicked spirits in high places. These high-ranking wicked spirits, fallen angels, no doubt, and maybe others under them, constantly try to influence national leaders, every nation. The United States Next to Israel, the United States is the most strategic nation in the world for God's plan and God's timetable. And, and if you would be foolish enough to think that wicked spirits in the heavenly, heavenlies are not actively trying to dominate our national leaders, then you just don't know the Bible. There is a struggle going on in the heavenly realm, in the spirit realm above this earth and they were influencing and have influenced our nation, our president and Congress and the courts for decades and, and for a long, well, it's always been going on. But when, in, when Israel became a nation in 1948, things really stepped up and we see the effect of this influence, this evil influence. Well, there are powerful godly influences at work. They're stronger than the wicked influences. But, but the problem is the wicked spirits don't need our prayers because the devil is a deceiver and he pushes and manipulates and, and pressures and, 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 and works against people. God doesn't, doesn't work that way. He works when we invite him to work. 
And, and his angels are free to, to do their, their most and their best when we pray more. That's why it's so important that we pray for our president. Amen. Uh, I, I'm going to just, you know, just uh, give you my, my opinion. Okay. I'm, I'm an American. I, I'm a patriot. I love the old red, white, and blue, the USA. Okay, I do. I believe God has blessed our nation. I believe God raised up this nation. I'm 100% USA. But I'll be honest with you, I don't know what's gonna become of the United States. If you look in the book, of, and this is one thing that, that uh, end time preachers, uh, uh, prophecy preachers, eschatology is what it's called, those who study these things. There's been a, a question that has, has haunted and troubled these expositors for years, years and years. And that is that the United States of America doesn't show up in Bible prophecy. You can't find, you, you see all about the, the nations of the world, you see what Israel, you see the reviving of the Roman Empire, you don't see America anywhere. Now how in the world can that be? Well, I, I, I'm not gonna tell you my, I'm not gonna reveal everything because it's just my opinion, I could be wrong. But I'm gonna tell you, I'm not sure of the future of this nation. I'm very concerned for the future of this nation to a degree, because I believe the church is soon to be taken out of here. We're soon to be called away. Now, before that happens, before the, before the tribulation can really get underway, Israel will have to return to its, the, the, the services of the temple, the sacrifices, and those kind of things. But how many of you are aware of the fact that there, are, there were different temples that were built over, you know, uh, Solomon built a temple. It was destroyed. Remember in Nehemiah's day when, when, when uh, the command was given for the Jews to return from Babylon, you know, and, 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 and uh, Persia and, and rebuild the city and rebuild the wall, rebuild. It wasn't, it wasn't David's and Solomon's temple. It wasn't Herod's temple either. It doesn't have to be a temple like that. It could be a very simple Small, it could, it could be erected in the next week. All that's necessary to, to, to uh, perform the sacrifices, you need the holy place, the most holy place. It, it, I'm, what I'm saying is it's, it's, it doesn't necessarily have to take a lot, of, a lot of time for this to be constructed. There are a lot of people, and I don't know a whole lot about it, I don't, I'm not in the loop, but there are a lot of people who tell me that, or that there are people that say that there are a lot of people uh, that are actively working on uh, rebuilding, getting started on, in rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. What I'm simply saying, and I don't doubt it, but what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be Herod's temple. It doesn't have to be the temple like has existed before. It could be something a lot simpler to that. As long as it met the biblical pattern, it could be done in a matter of just a few days or at least a few weeks. It could be done. We could be on the verge of the very end of the church age. When that happens... I, I don't know that America is going to be aligned with Israel or not. I really don't know. I know it wouldn't take many leaders like our last one 
to get us on the wrong side of things. But we're going to be gone. Amen. Our children are going to be gone. Our grandchildren, are you listening to them? Are you, are you reaching your family? You've got to reach your family because we, we, we all want to go as, as families. Amen. Well, these are sobering things. I don't, like I said, I don't know what will happen to the United States after the Trump era. I believe God has divinely allowed Donald Trump to take the position that he's in. Now, a lot of people think the man is a liar. He's a womanizer. He curses. He says that, he's, that he doesn't pray and he doesn't need God. Uh, I'll say this, he talks too much. And uh, I also know that God uses the foolish things of this world, the things that are despised, the things that we consider nothing to bring to shame, the things which are, the things that we esteem. And when you look at what President Trump has done in reversing some of the anti-Christian policies that Barack Obama, president, I always am mindful to say president, Barack Obama, because any, any former president was, it was still president. And he doesn't need to be maligned and, 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 and spoken of irreverently. President, Obama, president Barack Obama was the, was the most biblically hostile president America has ever had. What I mean by that, hostile to biblical principles. It is well documented. Uh, he was hostile on, uh, on so many different levels and I could, I could point you to information that would show you that. President Trump has reversed a lot of those. I don't know how long the Trump era will last But God is using him, like it or not. God is using him. And we need to make sure that we're looking at the right things, considering the right things. And like Jesus said, not judging according to the flesh, but making righteous judgment. Well, I'm righteous. That's a righteous judgment. I don't like a liar. Let me tell you something. There are websites you can go to that show all the lies President Trump has told. I think the count now is 8,000 lies. You can go to the Washington Post. It's one of those places. It's one of the primary places. They, they keep a running daily log of all of his lies. I think it was last time I heard it was 8,100 lies since he's been in office. How many is that a day? I've looked at them. Now, I haven't looked at it recently. I looked at it when it was like 4,000 lies, okay? And that was only a few months ago. It was like 4,600 lies. I went, down, I went down and started just going down the list with my, with my uh, cursor and just stopping on one without analyzing which one, just clicking on one and then reading it. 80, at least 80%, I mean, I did it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, just took isolated so-called lies. 80% of them are just places where the left disagrees. He said one thing and they disagree. They don't think it's, the, it's a political position. 
Whether, you know, you, he has a point, they have a point. Well, if they don't agree, well, that's a lie. Well, that's not a lie. That's just a difference of opinion. 80% of his so-called lies, you hear that all the time. He's a liar. He's a liar. All he does is lie. Listen, that's a lie. Because those are political points of discussion. Secondly, he exaggerates a lot. He says, yeah, I was at my rally and there were 10,000 people there and there was actually four. Okay, I think that's an exaggeration. I don't know that, I doubt he actually counted. A bunch of, angels just said, a bunch of preachers do that. <laughs> they do. They do. They'll tell you in their crusade, there was 20,000 people in there and there were 3,000. It's hard to, it's hard from the podium to count. We've, Greg and I have been in these crusades and it looks like all this people, and, and, and Chris will say, no, it's probably less, you know, and we're going, really? You just, so he exaggerates. All I'm saying is he is the most lied about president. And so don't be persuaded to unwittingly side with the spirit of this age and not see the more important things that are going on. The more important things that are going on are things that God is doing and he's using an imperfect vessel, granted. It's not as imperfect as everybody, as the left constantly assails him as being, but he is imperfect. So am I, so are you, whoever you are. But we need as Christians to know what's ahead, what God is doing, and I've run out of time. We need to be aware of what's going on, what God is doing in this world and what the devil is doing. And remember who is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. God will have the last say and I'm going to do everything in my power to be on the right side of that equation. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.